Welcome to the Chick Monks Podcast, where we explore contemplative Christianity from a feminine perspective. I'm your host, Heather Lawrence. Let's get to it. Greetings, Chickmunks. I am feeling grateful to be back behind a microphone today recording for you. Um, this has been a season where my body has let me know that I need to be prioritizing rest above anything else. And um, I imagine I'm not alone in that. So if you're listening and you feel an impulse to take time away and to rest, if you feel your body telling you it's time to slow down, to rest for however long, I encourage you to listen to that impulse um, to respect and honor your body. Because as I am learning the hard way, sometimes we push past the boundaries that our bodies tell us and create a little bit more difficulty and mess to clean up for ourselves. So um, I encourage you, friends, listeners, to take care of yourself today, to do what you can. And with that, why don't we all take a deep breath wherever you are, empty all the air out of your lungs, take a deep breath in, calling in life and restoration, and a deep exhale, opening up to peace, to releasing. And now I'll share a reading from the book of Luke, followed by a homily. And this time we'll close with a guided meditation. On the way to Jerusalem, Jesus was going through the region between Samaria and Galilee. As he entered a village, ten lepers approached him. Keeping their distance, they called out, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were made clean. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. He prostrated himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus asked, Were not ten made clean? But the other nine, where are they? Was none of them found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, Get up and go on your way. Your faith has made you well. For some of us, this is a familiar story. And also familiar to us might be the Samaritans. We hear about them so often in the Gospels. Who are the Samaritans? And what do they mean to the Jewish audience to whom Jesus is speaking? Well, to put it very simply, they worshipped the same God, but in a different way. I don't mean to downplay this, though. Not just different. I mean, to Samaritans, Judaism had it wrong. And to Jewish people, Samaritans had it wrong. This was a tense relationship, which you can read in many of the stories where they appear in the Gospels. 
Samaritanism observes many of the same festivals and holy days as Judaism, just in slightly different ways. In John chapter 4, Jesus has a conversation with a Samaritan woman about some of these differences. So Samaritans worshipped on a different mountain. They believe God chose Mount Gerizim as the holy place, whereas Jewish tradition and teaching held that Temple Mount was the mount given by God for worship. Samaritans also maintained the use of the Hebrew script rather than the Aramaic script, which at that time was replacing Hebrew script among Jewish people in Israel. So they seem small distinctions to us, but Samaritans actually still exist as a people group and they hold a religious status in Israel completely distinct from Judaism. I looked at their website and the history section on their website says that the official separation between these two groups was completed in the first century CE, which is when this story happens. And the narrative that they tell suggests that Judaism separated itself from Samaritanism, not the other way around. Why chase this rabbit? Why give you all this context? Well, I think it's important, mostly to get a better understanding of this tension and hostility between these two groups. Now we can have a more holistic picture of their relationship, because we often only hear one side. One of the most important things to keep in mind is especially that this split between these two people groups was happening during Jesus' time. So when Jesus looks down and calls this man a foreigner, he is speaking to and participating in a very active social and religious prejudice of his day. Even the way that the story is written here, you can hear it. It says, one healed man turned back and gave thanks and praise to God for his healing, and he was a Samaritan. Almost like it's a scandal. What I want us to see here is that for Jewish Jesus and his Jewish disciples, the Samaritans represent the other. Now, to me, and by my limited modern definition, a Samaritan would hardly have been a foreigner in Israel, especially on these borderlands where Jesus encounters him between Galilee and Samaria. This is a person dwelling in the same country, descended from the same land, sharing the same ancestors, same history, same God. To me, it sounds more like siblings in a fight than foreigners. But this is how it goes. Unresolved disagreements turn into separation and disassociation. How could they continue to live alongside someone who's got it all so wrong? I'm willing to bet that for all of us, there are people who have got it so wrong that you and I would refuse any association with them. For you, maybe that's a particular kind of Christian or a particular kind of voter. Either way, they're nothing like us. Their way of seeing the world is completely foreign. To us, they are the other. And Jesus 
proclaims to his Jewish audience of traveling companions that this other, this Samaritan, has the greatest faith of all ten who were cured. He is the one whose faith brought him back to give thanks. Though the others were made clean, this is the one who is made well. Jesus seems surprised, too, by this other. The way the story is written, I mean, maybe everyone was. But he named what he saw in this grateful man. The true, rare faith of someone on the opposite side of an ideological schism. This is hard to do, to recognize the good, the pure, and the holy in the other. Many of you know by now that I am a minister in the Episcopal Church, and uh, part of my role as such is as what we call a campus missioner, which just means that I'm a campus minister doing outreach at San Diego State University, building spiritual community with students. And one student that I met this semester pretty quickly told me about her practice of loving-kindness meditation. And since she told me about it and how much it means to her, we've been meeting weekly on campus to offer this practice to the wider community. And I want to tell you a little bit about it. Loving-kindness meditation is the English translation of its original Pali name, Metta Bhavana, which you may have heard before. And the practice of Metta Bhavana Loving-kindness meditation works in stages, and each stage has the same mantra that carries you through, but with a slightly different focus. There are a lot of variations of the mantra. I see them on sweatshirts all the time, but the mantra generally goes like this. May you be well. May you be happy. May you be free from suffering. The intention of this practice is to cultivate loving-kindness. And what I mean by loving-kindness is non-judgment, radical acceptance. And we cultivate this in our hearts and in the world. So the way it works is like this. You begin to repeat these words over and over, aloud or silently, cultivating loving-kindness, this non-judgment, this radical acceptance, and you move through stages. And first, starting with yourself. May I be well. May I be happy. May I be free from suffering. Maybe, friends, as you're listening, if it feels right, You take a hand to your heart. Maybe you close your eyes. As we offer this loving kindness again, may I be well. May I be happy. May I be free from suffering. In this practice, you pray blessings onto yourself until you believe you deserve it. You align yourself with God's heart toward you until you can hold it for yourself. 
This man who returned weeping in gratitude, didn't he receive the full gift of healing through his acknowledgement? Through coming back, isn't it true that the hardest thing about receiving a gift is how hard it is to be loved? But he was strong enough in faith to receive this healing as a gift of love. Your faith has made you well, Jesus says. Another way to translate that is your faith has saved you. Because once you have cultivated loving kindness for yourself, then you expand outward. The next stage of this practice is to bring to mind a person who's close to you, a person who's easy to love, and you offer the prayer. May you be well. May you be happy. May you be free from suffering. And after that, you expand a little further outward to pray for now a neutral person, someone you neither like nor dislike, like a cashier or a mail carrier. May you be well. May you be happy. May you be free from suffering. And then we bring in someone difficult to love. Someone other. Someone with whom there is active tension. And we pray the same. May you be well. May you be happy. May you be free from suffering. See the pattern here? We first start with practicing love and compassion and kindness for ourselves. When we find that we are judgmental or demanding toward ourselves, this is an opportunity to return to that generous love and acceptance. And Jesus wants to help us with this. This is what his life embodies. Similarly, when we find that we are triggered by some quality or behavior in someone else, this is also an opportunity to return to non-judgmental love for ourselves. Because, friends, anything we can't love in the other is something that we won't accept or love in ourselves. Anything we can't love in the other is something that we won't accept or love in ourselves. Jesus wants to help us with this, too. We start with ourselves so that we can love our neighbors. And the final stage of loving kindness extends to all beings. Once we have practiced moving beyond our prejudices and our self-judgment and our external judgment, now we can bring in the totality of Earth's relationships of the life teeming around us in this planet and beyond. And that final prayer is, may all beings everywhere be well. May all beings everywhere be happy. And may all beings everywhere be free from suffering. As I mentioned, I am going to offer a brief guided meditation to close this homily. Um, since most of 
what I shared was about and through the lens of loving kindness practice, I would like to offer a loving kindness practice for you. So um, I recommend waiting until you're not driving or walking. Find a place to be still and comfortable. And maybe you're sitting, maybe you're lying down. I invite you to close your eyes if that feels comfortable. And in whatever posture you've found that feels good in your body in this moment, bring your attention to your breath. Notice the rise and fall of your chest and your belly with each inhale and each exhale. Maintaining your connection to your breath, I invite you to bring a little bit more softness, a little bit more ease into your physical body. Maybe you shrug your shoulders up and back, releasing the tension in your head and neck. Soften the space between your eyes, relaxing your face, Maybe you slightly curl up the corners of your mouth in a soft, receptive smile. Taking a deep breath in, filling up your lungs. Open your mouth and sigh it out. Allow your breath to return to its natural rhythm, still noticing the rise and fall. And with your attention in your heart space, maybe you can visualize the life, the energy, the presence there at the center of your being that you take in with every breath. Notice if it has a color, a texture, a shape. And continue to breathe in and out, allowing that life energy presence to expand with every breath out and brighten with every breath in.
And here in this space, I invite you to repeat this mantra after me. May I be well. May I be happy. May I be free from suffering. May I be well. May I be happy. May I be free from suffering. May I be well. May I be happy. May I be free from suffering. You may continue this mantra for as long as you like, filling up your heart space with loving kindness, with presence, with acceptance, with life. If you would like more time and stillness and silence, feel free to pause the recording and stay here with yourself with loving kindness. When you feel ready, I invite you to bring soft movements back to your fingers and toes. See how it feels to stretch your arms up overhead, bringing your hands to prayer and pulling your hands, palms touching down to your heart center, to that space where we've cultivated loving kindness and taking a deep breath in here, returning to yourself, returning to this physical presence. Exhale, let everything go. And go, friends. Go love the world. Namaste. Friends, thank you for listening to another episode of the Chickmunks podcast. If this episode or this podcast has been meaningful to you at all, please consider sharing with a friend that you think also might benefit. As always, feel free to reach out if there's anything you heard that you'd like to talk a little bit more about, or if you have suggestions for the future, I always appreciate hearing from you. Until next time, friends.